So IFRS 16 leases. Now, this is a new accounting standard, not, not new again, but it's, it's, a, it's an accounting standard that is replacing the old boy IAS 17 leases. Now, off the bed, we need to look at uh, the issue in uh, the issue about why the need for the uh, replacement of this particular standard in that case. Now, the issue is that when it comes to uh, IAS 17, which is which was the old accounting standard, the idea simply was that number one, it was the lessee's job. To classify the lease into an operating lease, I'm going to share my slide with you in a moment, and then into a finance or capital lease. Okay, it was the lessee's job to classify the lease into an operating lease or a finance lease. However, now under IFRS 16, the lessee does not have that responsibility of classifying the lease into a finance lease or an operating lease. Instead, the lessee has an obligation to just recognize right of use of assets, ROU, and at the same time, a lease liability, period. So with debit right of use, don't worry, we'll get into this in a moment. I'm just providing you with some overview. Then we credit lease liability. So unlike IAS 17, where the lessee classified the lease in, uh, uh, into whether uh, an, it's an operating lease or a finance or capital lease, under IFRS 17, the lessee does not do any classification. Instead, what the lessee does is just to recognize a right of use of assets and then a lease liability. Then again, under leases, under IAS 17, uh, one of the limitations there was that many uh, preparers of financial statements uh, were of the view or were applying the thing uh, in such a way that... Um, IAS 17 provided them with some subjective uh, application where they decide that, okay, if we are going to apply the accounting standard, uh, we, we are going to recognize, uh, classify the lease as a finance lease, as an obligation lease, then we have to have assets and liability on the face of our financial statement. There is no need for that. It doesn't do anything. So under IAS 17, the application was a bit subjective. So preparers of financial statement could decide whatever presentation they want, and then they go away with it in that case. However, under IFRS 17, Sorry, under IFRS 16, we are given a robust manner of presentation of how some of these things are done in that case. Now, so let me go straight up into my slide in here as we begin the discussion real quick. Now, what is a lease? What is a lease? What is a lease? Now, you see, when entities uh, want to use assets, there are two ways that entities can use an asset. Number one, uh, or can get an asset, number one is to do an outright purchase. So they can go in there and they go and buy the asset. So they purchase the asset straight up. Or an alternative is for them to lease the asset. Now, the purchases of the asset. It's a different thing. That's not what we are here to talk about. So the entity can decide to purchase the asset. That's not what we are interested in. But the entity can also get that same asset. It could be a property, plant, and equipment, whatever it is, 
the entity could decide to lease that asset. Now, when the entity decides to lease that asset, it means that the asset formally belongs to somebody. So let's say somebody is here. We call that person the lessor. This person is the owner of the asset, the original owner of the asset. Then let's have another person here. And we'll call the person the lessee. And this is the person who is going to be using the asset. So at the end of the day, what happens is that the lessor transfers the assets to the lessee, right? Then the lessee, for using the asset, the lessee then makes an annual payment. Or what is called the lease payment. What is called the lease payment. So you want an asset. You don't have money to acquire the asset. Okay, but I still want to help you so that you can get the asset. So what do we do? You come to me, you get the assets, you go and use it for your business. But at the end of the day, what's going to happen is that you will pay me for using the asset. That is the concept about leasing. So we don't own the asset. So this is where the substance over form principle comes in, where we record the economic nature of the transaction rather than the legal form of the transaction. So that is the concept about leases. So we want an asset. We can go into the market straight up, acquire the asset, but we don't have the money or probably for tax purposes, let's lease the assets rather so that we can use the money for something else later on, for something else later on. So a lease is an agreement between the lessor, that is the legal owner of an asset, conveys to the lessee, the user of the asset, the right to use an asset for an agreed period in return for a payment or a series of payments. Did you get that? So just, just what I mentioned to you with my illustration in the diagrams that I put up. So we have one owner on one side, then we have the we have the owner of the asset on one side, then we have the user of the asset on the other side. The agreement that goes on for a given period of time for you to pay to use the asset is what is referred to as the lease. The lease. Now, like I mentioned, according to IAS 37, sorry, IAS 17, sorry, uh, we can classify lease into finance lease and the operating lease. Another name for finance lease is also capital lease. Capital lease. So what is it? A finance lease or capital lease is a lease that transfers substantially all risks and rewards incidental to ownership of an asset to the lessee. Now, remember under IFRS 16, we are not interested in, when we are doing lessee accounting, we are not interested in whether the lease is finance lease or uh, operating lease because under IFRS 16, the lessee has no obligation to classify the lease. You want to make sure you get that off the grid in that case. Then an operating lease is, any, uh, is defined as any lease other than a finance lease. It's defined as any lease other than finance lease. So there are a couple of indicators which when present indicates that this lease we are talking about can be identified as finance lease. 
the main thing that will tell us that this is a finance list is uh, when risks and rewards have been transferred to the lessee. When risks and rewards have been transferred to the lessee. So that's, that's the first thing. The risks and rewards has been transferred to the lessee. Boom. We give the asset or we classify the lease as a capital lease. But there are other indicators that uh, IAS 17 brought up that we need to look out for. Now, the reason why you need to know about this is that under IFRS 16, the lessor can classify the lease as to whether it is finance lease or operating lease. Now, when the lessor is doing this classification, he uses the same benchmark, almost the same benchmark for the classification, almost the same benchmark for the classification. So other indicators of finance lease. One, at the inception of the lease, the present value of minimum lease payment amounts to substantially all the fair value of the assets. What does that mean? So let's say that for instance, for instance, if we have an asset that has its fair value to be whatever. So let me go to another slide in here. Let's say that the asset has a fair value of, let's say, $20,000. Then we lease the asset and we are paying $2,000 and we lease the asset for, say, 10 years. Stay with me. And uh, the present value of the minimum lease payment, don't worry, I'm going to explain this in a moment. When we discount all that together, uh, maybe it's around $19,200. So you realize that the total lease we are paying is 19200 The fair value of the asset is 20000 It's almost like we are buying the asset in that case. For that reason, we classify it as a finance lease. Then we go to the second one. The lease agreement transfers ownership of the asset to the lessee by the end of the lease term. So the deal is structured in such a way that after the 10 years that we have leased the assets, we will take an ownership in the assets. In other words, the assets will become ours. There will be transfer of ownership in the assets. That could be another way that we can talk about this. Three, the lease asset is of a specialized nature. Now, when we say an asset is of a specialized nature, what exactly do we mean? It means that the asset will require modification before it can be used by another entity. It means the asset will require modification before it can be used by another entity. That is what we mean by specialized in nature. So probably the asset was done, uh, cost, was cust customized for us, for our usage, for our branding, for our uh, things in that case. So if we stop leasing the asset, somebody and somebody wants to use that same asset, the person would have to undertake a lot of modification before the person can now use that particular asset. Then the last thing is the lessee has the option to purchase the asset at a price expected to be substantially lower than the fair value at the date the option become exercisable, meaning that we will be able to buy back the asset at the end of the lease term. We have an option as the lessee entity to buy back the asset at the end of the lease term. So generally, when we talk about uh, the idea about leases, 
these are some of the things that we need to talk about. So focus on the fact that we can directly buy the assets, but in order to save money and probably for tax purposes, why not we lease the asset? And for your information, it's always cheaper to lease an asset than to buy it outright, right? Because when you lease the asset, I mean, you are just paying the lease uh, in installments every year like that, but you have the asset to use. But if you buy the asset outright, you are using a large or a chunk sum of money to buy that, which means other projects cannot be undertaken by the company. It is for this reason why companies across the world prefer to lease the assets rather than purchase the assets outright. There are advantages and disadvantages on all of these as we continue with the discussion. Now, let's focus of our attention now on the standard at hand, and that is IFRS 16. Now, IFRS 16 provides us with a way through which the lessee can recognize the lease. Remember, I told you that when it comes to IFRS 16, all the lessee does is to recognize right of use and lease liability. That's all he's going to do. But at what point can we say the lessee can recognize right of use? In other words, you cannot say this is an operating lease. You cannot say this is a finance lease. You must come to a point where you can recognize right of use. It means you have the right to use the assets. That is the meaning of that. So how do we determine if an entity has a right to use a particular asset? How do we determine? What is the benchmark? What is the rule surrounding it? How do we go about that? Let's look at how we're going to be uh, looking at it in that case. Now, I see some of you guys joining you. are welcome. Put your comment in the comment section. I'm going to be answering all of your questions in a moment. So put your questions in the comment section, in the comment box. I'm going to be answering all of your comments as we continue. So IFRS 16. Now, IFRS 16 defines a lease as a contract or part of a contract that conveys the right of use of an asset in exchange for a consideration. Okay, so you realize that it's the same definition under IAS 17, but then they, they, they kind of uh, spice this up a little bit to use in exchange for consideration, okay, in exchange for consideration. But this is what I want you to take away here. For such a contract to exist, for such a contract to exist, the user of the asset needs to have the right to, one, obtain substantially all economic benefit from the assets, and then two, the right to direct the use of the assets. So, so this is very, very critical. So before we can say this is a lease, under IFRS 16, two things must be in place, DE. It means that you, the user, should be able to direct how the asset is used, and then economic benefits from the usage of the assets should uh, substantially flow to you. Now, let me give you some examples in this case. So let's say that, again, we have two people in here. So let's say we have Timothy. And then let's say we have Michelle. So let's say that uh, Timothy owns the property. So he's the owner. And let's say that Michelle is 
maybe the lessee allegedly here because of the example I want to give. So let's say that, uh, what does uh, Michelle do? Let's say that Michelle sells, uh, what? Let's say Michelle shell sells Sobolo. Now, Michelle, in order to enable, uh, help Michelle to sell her Sobolo, she needs a delivery van. But currently, Michelle does not have money for a delivery van. So Michelle reached out to Timothy and said, hey, Timothy, you have a delivery van. Can you lease the delivery van to me so that I can use it? Then uh, Timothy said, oh, why not? I'm going to lease it to you. Here you go. This is the delivery van. Take it. But you can use the delivery van on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday. When you finish, bring me back the van on Wednesday evening because I need to also use it on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. My question to you is this. Did Michelle, can Michelle recognize this transaction as a lease or not? That's the question here. Stay with me carefully here. Can Michelle, so let's take the example again. Michelle is the supposed uh, or supposed uh, lessee here. She sells Sobolo. She needs a delivery van to deliver the Sobolo, but she doesn't have money to buy delivery van outright. So what she does is that she reach out to uh, Timothy because Timothy has uh, a leasing company <coughs> and they lease properties. And for some reason, the delivery van was given to Michelle, but Timothy said, Michelle, you're going to use it on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, but on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to use it. Make sure you bring it back to me. Can Michelle recognize this transaction as a lease? The answer is no. Michelle cannot recognize this lease or this transaction as a lease. Why? Because one, Michelle does not direct the usage of the asset. As you can see, Michelle must bring back the assets on Thursday, on Wednesday evening, so that Timothy can use it. So Michelle doesn't direct how the assets should be used under the lease term. Not only that, number two, you realize that Michelle is not having all the economic benefits in this delivery van. Because when Michelle uses the delivery van on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, the rest of the vehicle's life and money goes to who? Timothy. So this transaction cannot be recognized as a lease. So what will Michelle do? Michelle would just recognize it as uh, rent expenses or uh, delivery van expenses. That's all. But cannot recognize the lease, cannot recognize any right of use and lease liability. Why? Because Michelle does not direct the usage of the asset and also significantly the economic benefit in the asset doesn't flow to Michelle. Now, so it's very important in the scenario or in the question that you'll be having before you to establish this. Because if you're not able to establish these two criteria, then you're going to be screwed in the first place. So a contract of lease exists under IFRS 16 where the lessee has a right to direct the use of the asset. So you call the shot. She determines 
who uses the asset where do we use it what time do we use it and all that and all that then substantially all the economic benefits now when we say economic benefit we mean bene uh, money flows inflows benefit and all that from the usage of the asset comes to her so that is the first thing we need to understand that for a lease transaction to exist the lessee must direct the usage of the assets and number two significantly the future economic benefit from the use of the asset should flow to the uh, 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 to the lessee now remember the key word there is significant or substantially substantially which means that which means that sometimes the whole money is not going to Michelle. For example, if you are using Michelle and Timothy again, uh, the whole money is not going to Michelle. Maybe from the delivery van, some 10% goes to uh, Timothy. But, and, and Michelle directs the usage of the delivery van and all that. But Timothy demands that she give uh, him uh, some 10% of revenue. Uh, I mean, she still got 90%. And that is substantial. So under that circumstance, we will recognize the lease uh, or we recognize the transaction as what? A lease and account for it in accordance with IFRS 16. IFRS 16. But this is one thing you need to understand as we uh, look at it in that case. The lease agreement should be able to identify the assets that is being leased. The lease agreement should be able to identify the assets that is being leased. Now, what do we mean by that? So, an identified asset. An identified asset. So, let's see. One essential feature of a lease is that there is an identified asset. This, is, this normally takes place through the asset being specified in a contract or part of a contract. For asset to be identified, the supplier of the asset must, have, must not have the rights to substantiate the asset for an alternative asset throughout its lease period. So we, we should be able to have control of the asset. The owner of the asset cannot come and say, oh, please take this asset and uh, use this one rather because I also want to go and use this asset. No, 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 no. We have identified, I'm having a delivery van for the next five years. I'm controlling it. I'm calling the shot and you have no rights on me on that asset. Now, these are the things that you need to understand basically when it comes to dealing with the overview. Then let's turn our attention to the real deal. So just a quick recap, just a quick recap. Number one, number one, under IAS 17, it is a lessee who classifies the lease into a finance lease or operating lease. Number two, under IFRS 16, the lessee does not make any classification. Instead, the lessee just recognizes right of use and lease liability. For that reason, under IFRS 16, it is the lessor who does the classification into whether the lease is a finance lease or an operating lease. Next. For a lease to, should, to be recognized or for a contract or an agreement should be recognized as a lease under IFRS 16, 
there has to be, or the user of the asset should have two things, be able to direct the use of the asset, and then also significantly the economic benefits of the asset should flow to the person. These are the things that you need to understand generally about leases, about leases. Any questions so far as we turn our attention to accounting by lessee? And this is where the journey will begin to be interesting in a moment. Right, so let's get into the discussion, accounting for lease by the lessee, by the lessee. Now, I have already stated what the lessee is supposed to uh, do under IAS, uh, IFRS 16. Now, the default treatment under IFRS 16 by the lessee is to recognize right of use to recognize right of use of assets, and at the same time, recognize a corresponding lease liability. Lease liability, LL. So that is the default treatment. Under IFRS 16, the lessee is required to recognize right of use. Now, remember, before we can come to this point, it means that what? We direct the usage of the assets. It means that what? The significantly or substantially, the future economic benefits will flow to the lessee. So once we are okay, once this box is checked, then the lessee recognizes right of use of an asset or lease and then lease liability. However, the standard gives an alternative treatment. An alternative treatment. Now, the alternative treatment is usually referred to as the issue uh, in relation to low-value assets. Low-value assets. Now, you've got to be careful here. IS 16 states that an entity can alternatively, instead of going through the headache of recognizing rights of use, depreciating subsequent measurement, da, 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 and all that, the entity can use the low value asset or the alternative treatment approach where the transaction is usually treated as a normal rental. And so what is going to be happening is that we'll just debit the profit or loss account with any rent paid and then credit cash or payables or current liability if the amount is outstanding. Now, when we say low-value asset, what does that mean? Uh, if the asset is somewhat below, say, $5,000, it could be considered as a low-value asset. So, for instance, uh, things like personal computers, uh, things like uh, some office uh, uh, furniture, things that are below uh, $5,000, could be treated using the low value asset method. Now you gotta be careful here. If an entity buys a, a home use vehicle, okay, or a second hand vehicle, that doesn't mean that it is it will be treated as a low value. Why? Because if the new of that second hand property bought it's above that $5,000 benchmark, then you cannot adopt the low value principle. 
So let's say, for instance, I don't know, maybe you get me and send 2000 and go and buy some vehicle. And you bought a vehicle. You bought a vehicle for, say, $3,500. Then he said, oh, I bought a vehicle for $3,500. It's a lot. Sorry, I leased, not bought. I leased the vehicle and uh, it is the fair value is $3,500. So it is a low value. So I'm not going to. I'm going to use the alternative treatment, not the default treatment. It's a lie. Because if you are buying the new or a new vehicle of that nature, it will definitely exceed the 3500 But what we are saying here is that there are two things. The default treatment is you debit the right of use of assets, credit lease liability. Then there is an alternative treatment. If the asset is a low-value asset, meaning that the asset is below $5,000, and the new, if it is a second-hand thing, a new um, uh, asset of that will not exceed the $5,000, then you will go with the low-value asset approach. This is what we refer to as the initial recognition under the lessee accounting. I hope it makes sense. Let me know in the comment section if that sounds good. So let's go into my slide uh, and then let me just talk you through what I just said, what I just said. So with a few exceptions, IFRS 16 abolishes the distinction between an operating lease and finance lease in the financial statements of lessees. So I've told you this already. So then lessee, does not classify the lease into a finance lease or an operating lease. Why? Because IFRS 16 has abolished this. It is no longer done. So what does it do then? Lessees will recognize right of use and an associated lease liability at the inception of the lease. So once we do check mic one, two, once we do check box one, two, yeah, we check the box, we direct the usage of the asset, we check the box, we uh, significantly or substantially uh, have the usage of the asset, then what is going to be happening is that we are going to be recognizing right of use at the inception of the lease, at the inception of the lease. But the question we then ask ourselves is, okay, at what value? So remember I told you here that you debit right of use, credit, lease, liability. How much do we take there? Like, like, what's the value? What is the amount we actually take there? What is the amount we actually take there? This is where it becomes interesting. IFRS 16 requires that the right of use and lease liability should initially be measured at the present value of minimum lease payments discounted the discount rate used to be deter, to determine the present value should be the rate implicit in the lease so the starting point for us on all this as we move ahead is to find out if it is going to be the present value of minimum lease payment what discount rate we do we use we use the discount rate or the interest rate implicit in the lease why why is that critical that is critical because every lease payment we make as an entity has two components. We have the capital component, which relates to the asset that we have leased. 
and then the finance component, which relates to whatever, the interest implicit in the lease. So whatever lease payment, so if the, the lease payment is 10,000 per annum, that 10,000 actually has a finance component and also a capital company. The, the reason here is that, uh, and I think this is where Augustine was trying to come out from, it, it's, like, it's like you're using the asset and I'm lending you the asset to use. I could have used the asset myself and make money. So what is going to happen is that since you are the one using the asset, you will pay for me to be able to buy back the asset later on. Then on top of that, you pay me for the benefits that you are getting, you share with me. And that is the interest components in that case. So there will be interest rates implicit in the lease. And that will always be given to us in the question. If it is not given, there is a way we go about getting the finance costs at the end of the day. I see some questions relating to what I'm talking about. Let me take them real quick. Uh, quote on coach said, please, how does the treatment of IFRS 16 by the lessor differ from uh, IAS 40 investment property? Um, investment property has to do with, you got to be careful here. You got to be careful. Got to be careful. Uh, investment property is when an, an entity has an asset and sublets it but we do the subletting if it is an operating lease then you treat it as an investment property let me take that again if an entity owns a property and the entity rents or leases out the property we have said that the lessor must classify whether the lease is an operating lease or a finance lease if the lessor concludes that the lease of the property that they have is an operating lease, then the, the asset will be accounted for in accordance with IAS 40, investment property. But if the asset is leased out and the lessor concludes that the lease is a finance lease or a capital lease, then the lessor will not account for the asset in accordance with IAS 40. Instead, it will account for the assets in accordance with IFRS 16, lessor accounting. Do you get a difference there? So that's the difference. So under IAS 40, you just recognize the asset if it is an operating lease. If it is a finance lease, it is no longer an investment property. Instead, it becomes a lessor accounting as per IFRS 16. Does it make sense? Quote on coach. Emmanuel said, please, is it supposed to be $5,000 all time? At least that is the uh, benchmark uh, now. That is the benchmark now. When you take each standard, number of things that you need to take into consideration is the initial recognition. Initial recognition. Then you come to subsequent measurements. Initial recognition, then subsequent measurements. So in the lessee's book, once we direct the usage of the assets and we are 
the ones who receive substantially or significantly all the economic benefits in the assets, what do we do? What do we do? And how do we go about it? So let's go back to my slide on that. Remember, like I said, at the initial recognition, you debit the right of use. You debit right of use assets. And then you credit lease liability. Credit lease liability. So that is the initial recognition for our lease uh, transaction. That is the initial recognition for our lease transaction. But like I asked, what figure do we take to the debit side of the right of use? And what figure do we take to the lease liability? IFRS 16 is generous to tell us what should or what that figure must constitute or must be made of. So let's find out what exactly it's included in that place or in that amount. So the right of use would include the following amount where relevant. The right of use will include the following amount where relevant. The right of use will include the following amount where relevant. One, any payment made to the lessor at or before the commencement date of the lease less any lease incentive received. Okay. So if we are starting the journey on determining the amounts that is going to be made up of our right of use assets, the standard is saying that, hey, we bring in lease payment on the date or at the date or before the commencement. This is very important. This is very, very important. So whatever it is, let's say that we sign a lease agreement. This is where you got to be careful. So let's say that we sign a lease agreement on 1st October. And that's the start of our year. And on that day, we paid $20,000. Then after that, we'll make some payments in the future. That day, that amount we've paid shall be included in the initial cost of what? The asset that we have leased. The initial cost of the asset that we have leased. Not only that, not only that. Sometimes the lessee will be, the lessor will be excited about the lease and will provide us with some lease incentives. So any lease incentive we receive will be less. Now, why will this be? This could be there because of the next uh, statement, usually any direct cost incurred in the lease, initial direct cost incurred in the lease. You see, this is what happens. When, when, when we are arranging the lease, we need to deal with specialists. We need to deal with uh, legal practitioners. We need to deal with some expertise. And then, so the, the, the lessee is going to be incurring some cost 
in arranging the lease. Probably we need to bring in some people to structure the lease for us because the lessor doesn't have that expertise or, or those case. So the cost that we incur in arranging the lease shall be included in the initial cost of the asset. Because remember, under IAS 16, the initial cost of an asset shall be the purchases cost and all other direct costs incurred in bringing the asset to its present use. Is this that same concept we are using here under IFRS 16? So whatever cost we incurred in the arrangement of the lease must be included in the initial cost of the lease. But sometimes the lessor can say, hey, you did good. Maybe you, you, got, you got a lawyer and you paid a lawyer $20,000. And so, and, and the thing benefited the two of us. So, you know something, uh, I'm going to reimburse you, whatever, $7,000. So it means that technically uh, I paid how much? $13,000. So that is the adjustment. That is why the lease incentive is being deducted from the uh, right of use of asset. Not only that, not only that. We also have an estimated cost to be incurred by the lessee in dismantling or removing the lease. So, dismantling cost. Remember, this is in accordance with IAS 37, provisions, contingent liabilities, contingent assets. So, we're going to be finding the present value of this one and then we bring it in then we do unwinding for those of you who don't know about unwinding don't worry we'll get to ias 37 and i'll talk to you about it later on but then dismantling cost uh shall be included in accordance with ias 37 however however sometimes the asset could be part of the const the manufacturing of inventory for resale in that case then the costs will be included in the initial cost of the inventory. So unless, so look at, look at the statement here. Unless the costs are incurred to produce inventories, in which case they would be accounted for in accordance with IAS 2 inventories. IAS 2 inventories. So if the machines relate directly to the, uh manufacturing of our inventories then the cost will be included as well in the uh initial cost of the inventory in accordance with what ifrs sorry ias2 the lease we are paying will be included in the uh, initial cost of the inventory however we are going to be using the ias37 like i said to recognize the lease liability. So usually, this is what we go in there. There could be other items uh, there, uh, like uh, there could be other item like restructuring uh, of the lease, uh, purchases option, assuming the option is going to be exercised, penalty for cancellation of the contract. Those are all some, uh, some of the things that could be uh, included in here, but like I said, I'm just going to be talking about a number of things here in that case. Then you come to your lease liability. You come to your lease liability. So that's our right of use, initial recognition.
Now, when it comes to lease liability, the lease liability shall include uh, again here, like this figure you brought here. There is an item I didn't bring here. Let me bring it. Present value of the minimum lease payment supposed to be included here because uh, the lease before then, the present value of minimum lease payment should also be there. So present value of minimum lease payment will come. Now, when we say present value of minimum lease payment, it means the lease payments outstanding, not what they have paid already. Because if we have paid some, we've paid something, this is liability. Hence, it is the lease payment outstanding that we are usually discounting into uh, present terms to recognize uh, the lease liability in that case. So usually uh, that is the only thing that I'm going to be talking about in there. So that is the initial recognition. We debit right of use and then credit lease liability. That's the initial recognition. That's the initial recognition. Then we go to subsequent measurements. This is where it becomes interesting. When it comes to subsequent measurements, the right of use of assets must be accounted for separately, and then the lease account, uh, liability must be accounted for separately. The right of use of assets will be depreciated, and the lease liability will be carried at amortized cost. Stay with me carefully here. The purpose of the... Uh, subsequent measurement is to determine the current value or the current amount of the right of use which will be taken into the statement of profit or loss sorry statement of financial position as well as the uh, liability that will be taken to the statement of financial position note that this depreciation we're going to be calculating, I'm going to explain that to you in a moment, we'll be going to the PL account. Then when we prepare the amortized cost schedule, we are interested in two things. Number one, the finance cost or the interest implicit in the lease, which will be going to the PL account. Then the current amount of the lease. which should always be splitted between the non-current liability and then the current liability. Now, I'm going to be boiling or dialing down into the details of this in a moment. So stay with me, Kevin. I'm just giving you a summary here. So on subsequent measurement, we are interested in the carrying amount of the lease. Sorry, the carrying amount of the transaction, and that is the right of use and then the lease liability. So the right of use is going to be depreciated. The lease liability will be carried at amortized cost. The depreciation calculated on the right of use 
it's taken to the profit or loss account. Then when we prepare the amortized cost schedule, which I'm going to be showing you in a moment, the finance cost also goes to the P&L. Then the current amount on the lease liability, it's going to be taken to the statement of financial position. And in the statement of financial position, you want to split it between non-current liability and current liability. That will go under the heading called lease obligation. So we have lease obligation, current, lease obligation under non-current liability. That is the idea about subsequent measurements. But the big question we ask ourselves is, how do we depreciate the right of use? Then, how do we prepare the amortized cost schedule? Why am I emphasizing on that? Because the way our amortized cost schedule who is prepared will be dependent on the lease payment. The way the amortized cost schedule is prepared will be dependent on the lease payment. And this is something which if you miss, then the whole lesson is of no use. Now, lease payments can be in three categories, and I've already stated this for you. We can make the lease payment in advance, that is, at the beginning of the year. Lease payments can be in arrears, that is, at year end. Or there could be what is called split lease payment. And that is called half yearly. Now, the way the lease payment is made affects how we determine the current amount of the lease liability. It affects how we determine the interest expenses. These two things. These two things here, the finance cost, the current amount of the lease liability, these two things are affected by whether we are making lease in advance, making lease at the end of the year, or making the lease half yearly. Any questions, please? Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? Any questions?